What's good, everybody? Happy Thanksgiving to you. Welcome to another episode of the Amatella TIS podcast with your host, yours truly, Jai Shields. Got a good show here on this Thanksgiving Eve. Uh, recap week 11 of the National Football League, of course. Uh, that includes my Bengals, and, and I got plenty to say about them as the program progresses. I will preview now the two Thanksgiving matchups uh, between the Lions and the Texans and the Redskins slash Washington football team and the Cowboys. Uh, give you my thoughts on the Ravens-Steelers game getting postponed to Sunday. And, of course, pick the Thanksgiving games against the spread. Um, hope you all are having uh, having a good week. Happy Thanksgiving. Uh, let's get right into it uh, here on your favorite little sports talk podcast here in the middle of uh honestly i think the best week of the of the year is thanksgiving you know you got short work week or short school week under normal circumstances depending on where you work or what school you go to you show up to work monday and tuesday and if you you know and if the company you work for your school you go go to you know they give you that wednesday off they give you that Wednesday off, or they make you work Monday through Wednesday, and you, of course you get Thursday and Friday off. You don't have to see work again until uh, the Monday after uh, Thanksgiving weekend. But let's jump right into it. Week eleven of the National Football League. Uh, the four, three games I want to, or excuse me, four games I want to dissect: uh, Ravens, Titans first. Packers, Colts second, Chiefs, Raiders third, Rams and Bucks fourth. Take a break, and then I got plenty to say about the Bengals. Um, item number one, and that's the Ravens and the Tennessee Titans. And the Tennessee Titans got the Ravens once again. I mean, you know, my Bengals haven't done uh, many things right this season, as you well know. But one thing they have been able to do right is figure out how to beat the Tennessee Titans, which clearly the Baltimore Ravens, uh, for all of their... Um, you know, with Lamar Jackson, all their success as a franchise and good coaching, good, well-run, a top A, A-class organization that they are. They still, for whatever the reason, cannot figure out how to do, how to stop Derrick Henry and beat the Tennessee Titans. This is uh, the first time, of course, first and only time this season, second time of the year, 2020, dating back to, of course, January 11th. Uh, 10 months ago when they played him in a playoff game for the 2019 season and you know, no Earl Thomas uh, memes uh, you know to uh, to see of this matchup but again it was Derrick Henry and Derrick Henry did not throw a touchdown pass like he did like he did um in the playoff game and you know and there and it took until overtime to win the game and it happened to be the game winning touchdown for Derrick Henry to reach Painter but Derrick Henry still ran rampant all over the Ravens defense uh, granted he didn't get to 100 yards rushing until until overtime so if you want to say hey you know the Ravens defense at least held Derrick Henry to below 100 yards rushing through four quarters yeah, that's great, but because there's an overtime, you play a fifth quarter. And in the fifth quarter, what I see is 28 carries, 133 yards rushing, averaging nearly five yards a carry. And he scored a touchdown, including a 29-yard yard run to, to win the game. Which, if you're a Ravens defense, 
I mean, you got to be kicking it, kicking and screaming. You know, if you're a Ravens fan, you got to be absolutely pissed. My sister Zoe, I'm talking to you, who was absolutely beside herself when Derrick Henry ran it in for the game-winning touchdown at the end of the game on Sunday. I mean, I don't understand. I don't understand what this Ravens did. I mean, they had. I mean, let's look. They had. A, they put up. A, they outscored the Titans eleven to three in the second quarter. If you want to uh, get the halftime score, the Ravens were up fourteen. To, were up fourteen ten at the half, and by the end of the third quarter, you get fourteen plus seven. That's twenty one. And then the Titans uh, have sixteen points. So heading into the fourth quarter, the Ravens had a. Let's see. Had a fourteen plus a seven. Twenty one to. 13 lead and they and they and they let it wash away so heading into the fourth quarter heading into the fourth quarter the ravens had a 21 had a 21 to uh had a 21 to 13 lead and they basically crapped all over themselves and you know with a with getting outscored 11 to 3 in the fourth quarter i mean if you're I mean that, and all I ever hear about is this Ravens defense. Wink Martindale, this Ravens de- uh, nonsense, please. I mean, 21, 21 to thirteen at the end of the at the end, heading into the fourth quarter, and you get outscored eleven to three in the fourth, and end up losing the game thirty to twenty four in overtime against the Tennessee Titans team that has not been the same tight, you know, that has that was struggling heading into this game. That's that's um, that's unacceptable. Granted, Lamar Jackson's one bad mistake, or I guess one turnover, I guess you could say, wasn't his fault. Devin Duvernay stopped running after the ball when he threw it down the uh, down the left part of the field, and he basically stopped running. You know, and that was the interception Lamar Jackson threw. Granted, I give him that. You know, and and he didn't, and it wasn't that fantastic throwing the football anyway. Seventeen for twenty nine, one hundred and eighty six yards passing. Threw a touchdown pass, but again, not a uh, not a not a performance to write home about. If you're Lamar Jackson throwing the football, he didn't go crazy running it. He did 13 carries, 51 yards, averaging barely four yards a carry. 14 yards was his longest run of the afternoon. And Mark Andrews had a decent day. You know where was that in the playoff game? I have no idea. But he had five receptions, 96 yards receiving, and a touchdown and a touchdown catch. De- they got Des Bryant involved a little bit, but it was pretty much all Mark Andrews, and it was uh, you know be it, be you know take it where it, take it for what it was. Again, not a not a, fa- a granted. You know they're going to say, well, Ravens they've had a long streak of putting up 20 plus points. I'm just going. I don't want to hear it. This is a bunch of nonsense. You know, the 24 points at the end of the day didn't get it done. You know, and we got to settle for field goals, and you, and you can only put and you can only put the ball in the end zone. What? How many times put the ball in the end zone? Twice. When I mean, you can only put the ball into the end zone uh, tw- uh, two times in a football game, that's nothing to be proud of. I understand Justin Tucker's a phenomenal kicker and he's Mister Automatic, but when you when you only put the ball in the end zone two times. That is not under any circumstances something to write home about at all whatsoever. Um, it, I'm sorry, it just isn't, and uh, it's it it just isn't. You know, Devin Duvernay not running after you know, and and I don't want to hear. And I understand, you know, Lamar Jackson's got to pay the piper. Uh, you you know, unanimous MVP from the season ago, and I and I honestly and I'm preaching and I'm preaching to myself here. But but the Ravens do not have big time wide receivers. Yeah. I understand Mark Andrews had a little decent day. 
Des Bryant not going to kill him. He's been out the league for a few years. Ravens don't have big-time receivers. Devin DuVernay, Marquise Brown was thrown to three times, didn't catch not one pass, yet he's screaming and bellyaching on Twitter after the Steeler game about not, not getting the ball. Oh, shut up, will you please? He's not a big-time receiver. Devin DuVernay, of course, not a big-time receiver. Stopped running after the pass, the Lamar Jackson reception. Um, you know, the... Uh, J.K. Dobbins isn't a threat out the backfield. Des Bryant still has to get his feet wet and still has to get himself accustomed with uh, with the Baltimore offense. Willie Sneed, of course, is not a big time wide receiver. You know, when the Saints let you go and they got Drew Brees, what you know, when they got Michael Thomas sitting there and Manuel Sanders. Well, I mean, what does that tell you? Uh, so the so in Lamar Jackson's defense. He doesn't have, uh, you know, he doesn't, he doesn't have, uh, he doesn't have wide receivers to work with. You know, Muhammad Sanu was on the street. They didn't go ahead. It's like the Ravens do everything right as far as from an executive standpoint and building together a roster except getting wide receivers. You know, the, you know, the offensive line. Offensive line, defense—they do it. They do a good job, but it's you know wide. They haven't had a honest to God. They have not had, in all honesty, full disclosure, they have not had a big time wide receiver since uh, since the days of Anquan Bolton and uh, and uh, and Torrey Smith. They just haven't. They have not had a big time wide receiver since the days of Anquan Bolton, Torrey Smith. They want to go prior to that, Derek Mason and Mark Clayton. Look them up if you don't know who those guys are. But they, but they have not had big-time wide receivers in a long, long time. They just haven't. Willie Sneed, Devin DuVernay, Marquise Brown does not scare the daylights out of anybody. And I'm not, and again, not Des Bryant's fault. He just got here, and you got to give him some time to get his feet wet within the offense. So I'm not going to kill him. But they have, but the straight up and down the Ravens have no big time wide receiver. They got, they got to rely on scoring touchdowns. If not, Mark and Mark Andrews inside the red zone, they got to rely on getting big runs from their running backs on Lamar Jackson for them to score touchdowns. I mean, Marquise Brown had one great day, it had you know had one phenomenal performance week one against Cleveland, and all of a sudden he thinks he's his cousin circa two thousand and seventeen. That's it, and that's just he he's just done absolutely nothing, nothing, nothing since week one. That's quite like we see it. the Ravens do not have any big time wide receivers, which 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 in my eyes, my eyes, when teams are gonna make Lamar Jackson throw the ball to beat you know to beat you, and Lamar Jackson has to play from behind. And you know, and be put in a position where he can't run the football, you know, ninety thousand times. That that doesn't help. Not having big time wide receivers. You don't want to rush Des Bryant, but they need. But Des Bryant has to be, has to be, has to be carrying the load for them receiving wise. Has to be. And I and there's only so much you can do because, you know, about a bunch of the Ravens tested positive, which is why their game, which is supposed to be played tomorrow night, is pushed back to Sunday afternoon. And you know they got to do virtual and distancing and and Zoom calls and all. I understand all that, but they but they got to figure out a way to get Des Bryant more involved because honestly he's their only hope because they do not have any. Any big time wide receivers, they don't. Devin Duvernay, Marquise Brown, uh, uh-uh, no, thank you. Especially in that division, that division, hands down, the Ravens have the worst receiving core in the division. 
Not the worst team, not the worst offense, the worst receiving core. Who would you rather have with uh, with Cleveland? A healthy OBJ, Jarvis Landry, you know, just as your one-two guys. If you're Pittsburgh, Juju and Clay or and uh, Chase Claypool. If you're the Bengals, my team, Tyler Boyd, T. Higgins, and A.J. Green, when he's healthy and when he shows up. Or would you rather have Willie Sneed, Devin Duvernay, and Marquise Brown? And Des Bryant catches a pass or two. You can't you can't even debate it. The Ravens have the worst receiving core at, at, in the entire division. Browns, Ravens, Steelers, or excuse me, Browns, Raven, Browns, Steelers, and Bengals all all have much better receiving core, core uh, much better receiving cores than the Ravens do, and that is fact. Bengals have wide receivers that can beat you. Steelers have wide receivers that can beat you. Browns have wide receivers that can beat you. You know, when teams go into playing, you know, when Burrow was healthy, of course, when they go and they play Cleveland, they play Pittsburgh, they have to, okay, how, right, how can we make sure that Chase Claypool doesn't catch, you know, 10 passes for 115 yards. How or how can we make sure that um how can we make sure that T Higgins and Tyler Boyd don't go crazy on us? And also keep our eyes on AJ Green. You know, with Cleveland, how do how do we make sure Jarvis Landry doesn't go crazy? No one does that for the Ravens. Go ahead and play the Ravens. Okay, let's shut down their run game and make Lamar throw the ball. And if and if it happens to be broken clock is right twice a day and and uh, Marquise Brown has a huge day, we'll live with that. But no one going into a Ravens game is shaking in their boots. Game, you know, defensive coordinators not staying up to the wee hours of the morning trying to figure out a game plan of how to stop Marquise Brown and Willie Sneed. They're not doing that. All the other receivers in, in the division outside of the Ravens, they do that for. Ravens division... They're just trying to make sure that Lamar Jackson doesn't run for 125 yards for uh, for two touchdowns and you know has to throw the ball ten times and, and and put the ball in the end zone you know three times doing that way. But the Ravens, but in in all fairness to Lamar, the Ravens do not have a big time receiving core. They just don't. It is all and they let and they let Derrick Henry go crazy. Corey Davis as well, five five catches, one hundred and thirteen yards receiving. That's just, Ravens defense is a little bit overrated. You got that. That also has to be has to be said too. That Ravens defense is not that good. I'm sorry, Ryan Tannehill, twenty two for thirty one, through for two touchdown passes. Let Corey Davis go nuts and like Derrick Henry go nuts. That's not a big time defense. A little overrated, you know. When 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 they when they play when they play when they play when they play garbage. The defense looks like looks like the two thousand Ravens defense, but they, they, their defense is not that good. I'm sorry. They they got destroyed by Tennessee. They got destroyed by the Chiefs. This defense when it when this defense when it goes up against some ample competition, it's not that good. Let's call it like let's call it like we see it. They're not that good, and that's a game. If you're the Ravens, they now fall to two and three at home. Uh, they've lost to Pittsburgh at home, Titans at home, and um, and the Chiefs at home. Uh, 
that that's it on it's from a Baltimore standpoint, that's a terrible, terrible loss. They're now six and four. And on the outside looking in, as far as the playoff picture is concerned, they got to worry about my the, the 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 division's done. There's no, Steelers are 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 uh, are ten and zero. Not a, Steelers are Steelers got the division locked up. It's uh, it's only a matter of time till it's official. So the Ravens are not uh, good news for Lamar. He doesn't have to play a home playoff game, which he stunk the last uh, two seasons, twenty eighteen and two thousand and nineteen last year. Uh, but but the Ravens no chance no chance the division the division's done they they regardless what happens on Sunday the Ravens not winning the AFC North in 2020 they're just not doing it so they're going to be a wild card team and then at K and then they also got to compete with Cleveland within a team that's within their division you got to compete with Cleveland and then they also got to worry about they also got to worry about Miami the Raiders. And um, Miami and the Raiders and either Tennessee or Indianapolis, whoever, whoever whichever of those two teams in the AFC South that doesn't win their division. So you got to worry about the AFC South team that's one, the Raiders, which is two, the Dolphins, which is three, and then Cleveland is four. Four teams in the mix. Plus the Ra- plus the Ravens themselves. That's five, and there's only three. To- and there's only three slots. With the- of course, you have the a- the a- extra added wild card team. Five teams in the mix: AFC South team, Tennessee or Indianapolis. Take your pick: Baltimore, Cleveland, Dolphins, and the Raiders. Five. Only three of them gets in. Two of them goes home. And you may be in a scenario where you know the Ravens. Have a bad loss or two or whatever, and they are you know, and they got to experience what they did in twenty seventeen. That's go nine and seven and miss the postseason altogether. But that's a bad that's a bad loss if if you're the Ravens, a terrible, terrible, terrible loss. Terrible. They'll beat up on the Cowboys next Thursday. All right, who cares? Cleveland's gonna be an interesting game the twelfth or excuse me the fourteenth of December. Jaguars and Giants will be an easy pickings. Cincinnati as well, but that's a that the Ravens can't afford to lose another game the rest of the season. They fall to they fall to six and five. They're in trouble. In huge trouble. Huge, huge, huge. Indianapolis and Green Bay. Um, that was an inter- that was as an inter- entertaining. Um. As an entertaining, compelling football game you ever going to see, uh, the Packers defense stinks. You know the, the Packers defense absolutely stinks. You know the pa- Green Bay had a lead uh, as you know, and it ain't anything new underneath the sun. Green Bay Packers, which is why, in my honest opinion, Aaron Rodgers deserves it. I understand the Chiefs defense isn't anything to write home either, but essentially, when but there are times where Aaron Rodgers essentially has to has to. Uh, has has to carry the has to carry this team the Green Bay Packers on his back because I mean and I get it, Devontae Adams is no slouch and Aaron Jones when he's cooking can be pretty good too but I mean Aaron Jones and Devontae Adams do not hold a candle to Clyde Edwards Elad uh Tyree Kill Sammy Watkins and Ty- and Travis Kelsey so Aaron Aaron Rodgers gets my MVP Russell Wilson uh uh-uh, uh he's out 
Aaron Rodgers deserves my MVP because he has to do more with less than anybody else in the sport. Patrick Mahomes is, is on a team with a bunch of pro bowlers and all pros on it, on the offensive and defensive side of the ball. Granted, granted, again, the Chiefs' defense gave up over gave up over over thirty points the other night, and I'll get to them in a minute. But but they get but they got some all pros and pro bowlers on that team. What all pros? What pro bowlers? Scare you, Green Bay side. Okay, the Indianapolis offense, which has struggled to move the ball offensive offensively all season long, put up thirty four points. Thirty four points. And they had a 28-14 to 14 lead heading into halftime. And got outscored 11 to nothing in the third quarter. I mean, again, tw- one more time. 28-14 to 14 lead. And Green Bay squandered it. The defense is horrendous. Terrible. 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 But having said that, the coach should have won that game in the fourth quarter. Okay. Now nine holding. I mean, boy, were they fortunate to win the game because you commit nine offensive holding penalties. You don't deserve, ask anybody. You don't deserve to win the football game. Um, they should have won that game in the fourth. They should have won that game in the fourth quarter had not, you know, and could have, you know, could have ice, could have put the game to bed earlier, much earlier than, uh, than it ended up being in, in overtime. If not, Indianapolis shot themselves in a foot nine million times with, again, nine offensive holding penalties, and they just and they in that periods and times in that game they just flat out beat themselves. They're all there, that's all there is to it. That's all there is to it. Phil Rivers played really well, twenty four for thirty six, two hundred eighty eight yards passing, three touchdowns and an interception. Jonathan Taylor had a nice day rushing, twenty two carries, ninety yards. Uh, 90 yards on the ground for him, uh, and just uh, and I and I listen. I give Indianapolis credit. I give them credit. I give Philip Rivers credit. Give Frank Wright credit. They did a fantastic job in a game that I honestly, even though they were pretty much uh, close to uh, close to even as far as their records were heading into that game. Green Bay was seven and two. Indianapolis was uh, was uh, what six and three. So they were pretty much they were pretty much even in both teams first place in their respective divisions, but I give Indianapolis credit. I did not think they were going to win this game. I th- I knew it was going to be close because because Indianapolis is a good football team, but I give give them plenty of credit. Give them credit. They played well. Green Bay's defense stinks, but they played well. And Indianapolis, and, and they had to win that game to keep pace with uh, with Tennessee. Like I said, aforementioned, took care of business against the Ravens. So they needed to win that game. Um, but and, and that's why this Sunday's game, which I will preview on Saturday, is such an important game for this division, considering that, you know, the great, uh, Indianapolis took care of business against Tennessee, uh, a few Thursday nights ago, and beat them thirty four seventeen. This this game might decide this division on Sunday, when they uh, when they invite the Titans into Lucas Oil and play them. And outside of you know, and that's a game that they needed to win. You know, this you know they needed to beat Green Bay. Didn't expect them to, but they needed to beat Green Bay to keep pace. Titans will be the game that might decide their playoff fate. 
Um, but it looks like Indianapolis is going to make the playoffs either way, but you'd much rather win the division, have that crown of being division champions, getting the home game instead of having to, uh, instead of having to go on the road, you know, play in the cold as a, as a dome team. And if Texans being easy pickings, Raiders could be difficult on the 13th of December. Texans again will be easy. Pittsburgh, it depends if Pittsburgh still has something to play for on the 27th of December. That game will be a very, very, very hard game for them to win. If Pittsburgh has nothing to play for, that'll be an easy W for them. And then, of course, they finish out the season on January 3rd against Jacksonville. But that was that's a good, that's a phenomenal win for the Indianapolis Colts. If you're Green Bay, that's a terrible loss. Terrible. You cannot go on the road and go up against an offense that essentially that has struggled all season long. And give and give up thirty four points and have a twenty eight to fourteen and have a what and then what was the lead again and have a twenty eight to and have a twenty eight to fourteen lead at halftime and squander it that 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 you cannot do and that and again one more time their defense absolutely stinks stinks okay Indianapolis let me let me tell you the points Indianapolis has put up this season okay. Uh, outside of the 34 points they put up against Tennessee. They put up 10 points against Baltimore and lost. Uh, they put up, you know, their their offense stalled. They took care of business because the Bengals stink, but they their offense wasn't that great against the Bengals. They put up 23 points and they lost against the Browns. They put up 19 points in their win against the Bears. The Jets stink, so the 36 points, eh. And then the Vikings, 28 points. So this this is the middle of the pack offense. It's not a, you know they they do not have one of the best offenses in all of football. And Philip Rivers, granted Hall of Famer, he's not Peyton Manning. This they the Packers defense stinks, and that's just and that is as bad as a loss as you can ever have, you know. And they were in a situation where they could easily easily stolen that number one seed in the in the NFC and ran the table. They got Bears, which will be easy. Eagle, the rest of the se- the rest of the season, they should win out unless they fall apart week sixteen against the Titans. But there's no reason why Green Bay can't run the table and finish the season thirteen and three, because that is a game that they had absolutely no business, no business losing. And and you uh, know and uh, and I and I understand you know the Green Bay Packer fans bad movie death threats again. It, Death threats, cussing out on the internet are fine. Death threats is is, is too much. Is going overboard, it's crossing the line. But and for you Green Bay Packers fans out there, you know how about you? Hey, how about you get on the defense for one, not uh, not MVS because because a your defense is is the bigger flaw, is the bigger issue. And if it wasn't for MVS making that unbelievable diving catch at midfield in that third and ten that set up the Crosby field goal to tie the game, MVS doesn't even make that fumble in overtime. If he doesn't make that catch to put the Packers in position in the in the uh, position to tie the game up. So think about that for a minute. Item number three: Chiefs and the Raiders. Uh, what a shootout of a football game. Again, like I said, uh, like I said, comparing them to uh, to Green Bay, the Chiefs' defenses and all that great gave up thirty one points, and they let Raiders go crazy for a second game in a row. Uh, that they, you know they let the they let the Raiders' offense go crazy uh, back when they play them in October. They let the Raiders' offense go crazy again. 
Uh, Patrick Mahomes, 20, 34 for 45, 348 yards, passing two touchdowns, threw an interception. The only team he's throwing interception to the season has been to Vegas. Derek Carr had one of the best, had one of the one of his best games since his unbelievable 2016 season. They got cut short because of his leg injury. 23 for 31, 275 yards passing, three touchdowns through an interception, which iced the game. Um, none, no, you know, Henry Ruggs didn't have a big time game, so so I guess if, if that's a little moral victory for Kansas City, you give him that. But the Raiders did a phenomenal job moving the ball up and down the field. Derek Carr had one of his better games in recent memory. Uh, no defense was involved in this game in this game whatsoever. Vegas put up 14 points in the first quarter and put up 14 points in the fourth. Chiefs scored a touchdown. Scored a touchdown every scored a touchdown every quarter. They put up seven points in the sec, first quarter, second quarter, third quarter. Put up 14 points in the fourth quarter. I believe there was not a single. I could be wrong. Not a one field goal was kicked in this game. Uh, and that was a 35-yard field goal by uh, Daniel Carlson. One field goal was kicked in the game. Harrison, the Chiefs did not kick a field goal, not one time. So they scored touchdowns in every quarter and scored two touchdowns, uh, including the game, including the uh, touchdown to Kelsey. I'll get to that in a minute in the fourth quarter. Chiefs, again, did not kick a field goal during the entire game. One field goal was kicked, and that was by the Raiders. So the t so defenses didn't even bother making stops when it just came to holding teams kicking field goals. I mean, the ball was put in the end zone 9,000 times. You know, you had, three, yeah, you had uh, let's see, you had... You had four touchdowns. You had four touchdowns on the Vegas side. Three thrown by Carr. One ran in by Josh Jacobs. Patrick Mahomes threw for two touchdowns, and Clyde edwards alaire ran for two touchdowns in the game. So it was just touchdowns, touchdowns, touchdowns all over the place. Defense was not a factor in this game outside of you know having an interception uh, per side, and the Derek Carr one really doesn't even count because Derek Carr threw it right to him, and that was the end of the game. It wasn't like it put Kansas City in position to score. It, it you know it sealed the deal. Um, but that's you know, and Chiefs improved the nine and one. They are undefeated, still on the road, five and zero away from uh, away from Arrowhead. Raiders are six and four, fall to two and three at their new stadium. Uh, Raiders, of course, in second place behind Kansas City by a good margin. Of course, their chances of winning the division are uh, extinct. But if you're a Vegas fan, you feel pretty good at your team. Uh, was in was in it and uh, fought with the Super Bowl champions uh, to the very end. And uh, and if you're thinking playoffs, and if you want play, and if you want your team to go to playoffs, them beating Kansas City on the road back in October to knock them off their undefeated pedestal, and then making them sweat a little bit as Kansas City by far didn't under any they did not play their best game on they did not play their best game on a Sunday night. That's all there is to it. Mahomes turned over the football. Defense wasn't great. Kansas City did not play the best football on Sunday night. So if you're a Raiders fan, you have to be happy about that. Um, Kansas City from here on out, they uh, their hardest game left is, or excuse me, they got two hard games left and then they should be winnable games. Like Broncos, winnable game. Dolphins, winnable game. Falcons, winnable game. Chargers, winnable game. They got two hard games left and those two games are and those two games, uh, and those two games are against NFC South opponents on the road. They go to Tampa, and uh, they go to Tampa and play the Bucks 
uh, this Sunday, so uh, Jim and Tony can get what they're. Uh, have Jim and Tony done? Has Jim and Tony done a Buccaneers game this season? I can't. I can't recall. I don't think they have. So this might be. I have to, honestly I have to. I have to look at that. Um, because I'm not sure if Jim and Tony have done a, uh, if they've done a Buccaneer game yet this season. I don't think so. The Charge game was on CBS. Um, no, yeah, so Jim and Tony of, uh, CBS may, you know, get Brady for the first time since, uh, since the wildcard round. Uh, Titans and Patriots back in January, they get to see their old uh, pal and uh, Tom Brady on Sunday when Chiefs go to Tampa and play the Bucks, and then uh, and then after that game, they got Broncos and Dolphins. Then they go to New Orleans. Hopefully, Drew Brees will be back by that time. And then the Sunday before Christmas, December twentieth, they play the Saints. Then so, which be very important games because because they have a much harder schedule by far. You got to play the two two best team one of the two two best teams in the NFC. You know, in the NFC, let alone in the same division, they still have yet to play. Not to mention the Dolphins that are trying to make the playoffs. Meanwhile, you know, meanwhile Pittsburgh after the Raven game, they got in after the Raven game, they have a much more easier path to victory uh, to clinch number one seed than Kansas City does, which is why Pittsburgh really can't take their foot off the gas. You know, they can afford to because Kansas City has two hard has like two more hard opponents, one medium one with it being Miami, and they're you know and they are competing for a playoff spot just like Kansas City is. But uh, but Kansas City could end up, you know, losing those two games against the NFC, and uh, and having you know, and going thirteen and three, while Pittsburgh can go fourteen and two or completely run the table and only do what two other teams in the history of the sport have done, and that's have an undefeated regular season. Of course, the seventy the seventy two Dolphins and the two thousand and seven New England Patriots, but that's where you stand as far as Kansas City. And the Vegas Raiders are concerned. Last game and and the last thing, and then I'll get to a break. Um, oh wait, check that. Um, what I the the defense for the Raiders on that Kelsey touchdown was terrible. Why the safety bit? Why the safety creeped up and bit and took the bait instead of staying home and playing back in the end zone, making sure nothing got in his vicinity? I have no idea why it looked like a cover two was called in that play instead of a cover three protecting the middle of the end zone. I have no idea. Terrible play calling by Paul Gunther and the uh, and the Raiders defensive crew and a terrible job by the Raider defense, allowing Travis Kelsey to get that wide open to win the game. Now on to the fourth item, and that is Rams and Buccaneers. Um, I'm not going to wax poetic about the Rams because the Tampa Bay defense is a little overrated. Um, Jarrett, and we throw the ball 51 times, and you know the passing yards are a given. Three touchdowns, and he did turn over the ball twice. Um, and there, and uh, and Cooper Cup and Robert Woods are nice wide receivers. They're not best in all of football. They're nice. And Jared Goff not going to wax poetic over him either. What I am going to do is get over the is get on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Tom Brady was absolutely horrendous. Twenty six for forty eight, two hundred sixteen yards passing, two touchdowns through two interceptions was absolutely awful. Give credit to the Rams defense for uh, putting Tom Brady on his backside, knocking him, keeping him off balance, off his feet. 
which, you know, which if you watch Tom Brady play long enough, you know, the formula to beating him and to getting him off his game is to uh, is to is to get internal pressure on him to forcing him to the point where he can't move. Because once you pressure Tom Brady, you know, he's not going to run scramble and he's not that guy. So you got to make sure you pressure him internally with the interior defensive linemen, the defensive tackles, get the Brady, and then take your chances from there. Running, running, you know, they could not run the football. Leonard Fournette, Ronald Jones was not a factor in the game. Antonio Brown was uh, was the Buccaneers' leading receiver, but not, you know, the way that you're accustomed to seeing Antonio Brown be your uh, leading receiver. He had a leading receiver. He had 50, excuse me, he had a Eight receptions, 58 yards receiving, not a touchdown. Mike Evans was the only wide receiver, along with Chris Godwin, to score a touchdown in that game. The Buccaneers were absolutely horrendous. That's a that's a bad loss for Tampa Bay because the vision's gone, and they, you know, when the Rams are and the Rams look like that, uh, and you know, when you got the three teams in the AFC West, and then of course you have, um, and of course you have. Um, Three teams in the AFC West, you know, they should make the playoffs, but again, nothing is ever a given. And if you're at Tampa Bay, you cannot uh, once again lose a primetime football game at home, no less, uh, to the to the Los Angeles Rams. It's just a bad loss, bad bad loss on the part of uh, on Tampa Bay. And I don't know if y'all have realized this or not, but it needs to be said: Bruce Arians is no big is no Bill Belichick under any circumstances. He is just not. Under, he's just not a big time coach. He just isn't not 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 a big time coach under any circumstances. He stinks. Well, I shouldn't say stinks, but he's not a big time coach. He just isn't. And one and one last thing, then I'll get to a break and get to my bangles, so I have plenty to say. Uh, Tom Brady, can you stop being a narcissist? Can you stop being an ego an egotistical maniac? Can you stop being a psychopath? Can you stop being such a chotch? And such a is such a petulant child, you know, and, and and not shake Jared Goff's and and stop with this storming off the field like a like a baby, you know. Whenever you play, whenever you play like crap on a national audience, on a national in front of a nationally televised audience, and quit moping and sulking towards the tunnel and stop with this gooberish nonsense with uh, with you know with stop not shaking guys' hands after games. I mean, I mean Kyle Brandt and the people of Good Morning Football and the NFL Network, who never have anything say bet not a, not to knock on them. That's just the way they are, you know. And they you know, who never have anything bad to say about anybody, anybody. They that that's just not their style. Not to knock them. That's just that's not their style. Who never say anything bad about anybody. Had to be like had to go on television on Tuesday and say, you know what, Brady, quit be quit being a poor sport. Quit. Portraying poor sportsmanship. Quit, quit sitting up here. You know, kids are watching. It's just, you're supposed to set an example for the younger generation that's simply watching a game that's watching you. That, that, you know, people think that people think, come on. I mean, come on. Kids are watching this. People look up to you, Tom. You, ha you have an influencer role in people's lives and in society as a whole. You're 42, 43 years of age. You're an adult. Been in the league for 20 years. Start acting like it. All right. But enough with this. Enough with this. Stop shaking hands and nonsense and storming off the field, sneaking off the field, leaving you know, leaving Jared Goff and Nick Foles to look like a you know, look like a six-year-old looking for his parents in the middle of the mall. Stop with this nonsense. 
Every every single time you lose a game or you play like crap on national television, you're going to sit up here and sneak your hind parts off the field. Really? Stop that. Just just stop it, Tom. Stop it. You are such a pathetic, sorry, insecure, sore loser. It's 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 ridiculous. Really? Stop with this stuff. You did it the falls and now you're doing it the golf. Grow up, Tom. 43 years of age, acting like a child. Would you tolerate with your kids doing that? Your kids, you know, has a bad flag football game or 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 or, or has a bad basketball game or you know, air balls, air balls a game-winning three and you know and, and when the and when the clock hits triple zero, so then it's shaking hands as his opponent, he stomps and sulks and mopes his way off to the locker room. Would you would you tolerate that from your kid? Would you tolerate that from your from your children? Would you? And give Kyle credit for calling him out on it. Enough's enough. Enough's enough. Tom Brady, I don't care if he's won six Super Bowls, nine Super Bowls, 12 Super Bowls, all 54 Super Bowls. Shake the man's hand. Every single time Tom ends up on top, he he go he makes sure he shakes his hand. And all of a sudden, when he loses, he's got to sit up here and jog off the field. Really? And then Brady why and then Brady sits up here and wonders why no one likes him, and he gets and he and he quote unquote gets no respect. You want respect? Make yourself respect the bull, Tom. All them quarterbacks you've the heart of hearts you've broken throughout your career. They went up to you like a man and shook your hand. And you 43 years of age, one of the oldest, more experienced guys in the league, is acts like a child. Because you didn't play great on Monday night football. That I mean that, that's a joke. It, it, it really is a joke. It is a joke. It, it 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 is a joke. I don't care what Tom Brady has accomplished. He's not above the law and he's not above acting like that. I am so sick of Tom Brady with this better than you with this better than you nose up at the world mentality that he has. I'm so sick of it. One of the, one of the number one th reasons why I can't stand him as far as I can throw him. He makes me sick when he pulls that crap. Makes me sick. And how about people go out there and have the guts and, and quit being so concerned about um, pandering to Brady and say, you know what, Tom? Why do you keep, why is this a thing with you? And if and if Tom Brady doesn't like the answer, tough. He can kick rocks. If Tom Brady doesn't like the answer, we'll live. Roll will keep on spinning. If he doesn't like the answer, that's a you problem. And if he never talks to you again and gives you an answer, well, that, Tom has to live with that, not you. If if Tom do, if Tom is that much of, a, of an insecure man-child and he doesn't like the hard questions being asked and he doesn't like being grilled when he's been doing this for 20 years, 
been on the national spotlight for like 15 years as an athlete, then that's an issue that Tom Brady has, not the media person doing the sports fan a good service and being a, a good sports reporter, sportscaster, doing their job. Because we all know if that was Baker Mayfield, if that was Cam Newton, if that was Lamar Jackson who pulled that crap, the people will be all over him. But because he's Tom Brady and he's the golden boy, he has to take he has to get a pass. Bullcrap. I am so I am so sick of Tom Brady pulling this crap. It's unbelievable. He needs to stop it. Someone needs to get in his ear and say, Tom, quit messing around and quit acting like a child. You lose the game, you play like crap, shake the man's hand and walk off the field. It's ridiculous. Been in the league 20 years acting like acting like he's some new rookie when it comes to this stuff. No one gives a crap about your six rings, Tom. Or are you playing in nine Super Bowls? None of that matters. Just because you've won six Super Bowls doesn't give you the license to act like an ass. I'm sorry. It doesn't. I'm so sick of this. I'm so sick of this better than you nonsense with Tom Brady. I, I, I've had it. I've had it with, with Brady. I've had it. I've had it. I can't stand it. And I'm sick of it. Every single time he pulls that crap, I'm going to call him out on it. I called him out when he did it to Foles. And even though I don't care for golf, I'm calling the, I'm calling him out again when he does it to golf. Golf stand, standing in the middle of the field on national television, looking like a five-year-old looking for his parents in the middle in the middle of the in the middle of uh middle of uh of the Mall of America in Minnesota, looking for Brady and Brady, you know, then snuck behind somebody and measled his old wrinkly behind up to the locker room. You played like crap, so what? Jared Goff has to has to pay for it. I mean, it's time not to realize that a lot of these young guys that he plays, that he goes up against, grew up idolizing Brady. Or at least admired his work and knew who he was and said, hey, I want to win championships just like that guy. Does he not realize that how he treats people has an effect on them? He, You don't want to be that guy that everyone looked up to when they were young, got their big break. Now they play in the same arena as you as you are all these years later and they still remember you treating them like crap. Now all of a sudden when they want, now all of a sudden you've made it and your quote unquote here wants to be buddy buddy with you and the and the and the and the young grasshopper wants nothing to do with you. I mean I mean it's a little extreme but what happened in what happened in the Incredibles? Mr. Incredible treated that boy, quote unquote, what was his name? Incredible like crap. Kept rejecting him, rejecting him, rejecting him, rejecting him. Or uh, I should rephrase it. And the kid grew up admiring Mr. Incredible. Finally got the chance to meet him, interact with him. He treated him like crap. Now, all of a sudden, some years pass, and Miss Incredible Boy slash Syndrome, his main mission throughout the entire movie, 
was to get back at Bob slash Mr. Incredible for treating him like crap all those years ago. Stop with your nonsense, Tom. It's too old. You're getting too old to be acting like that, and it's and it's really unbecoming. It it really is. Take a break. Talk about my Bengals. Back after this. Welcome back to the Amatelicatelius podcast. Switching gears now to my Cincinnati Bengals. And um, ladies and gentlemen, what I feared that would happen, what me and other Bengals fans feared that would happen, and I came on here and was adamant about it after the Eagle game, me and other Cincinnati Bengals fans all across America, our worst nightmare <clears throat> came true on Sunday. And that was our man, our boy, our guy, our quarterback, QB1 franchise quarterback, number one, first overall draft pick back in April. Joseph Lee Burrow was, in football terms, killed on Sunday. Torn to ACL, torn MCL, and damage to his meniscus. And will be out for the rest of the season. And will probably miss a good chunk of the 2021 season. (sighs) I would come on here and scream and yell. But... The time for me, if I wanted to scream and yell, was Sunday and... I, I, I'm not going to make myself do it tonight or today, whenever you're like, I'm not going to do it because all I got to say to you is this. And I, and I hate, I hate the fact that I have to say this. I hate it. I take no pleasure in saying it. I take no joy in saying it. I take no I take no pride in saying this, but I told you so. I told y'all, specifically after the Eagle game, that this offensive line is dog crap. It stinks. I told y'all that this offensive line was a 
was the was the football equivalent of a pile of horse manure. I told y'all that this offensive line is the equivalent to a bunch of turnstiles. I told y'all that this offensive line was going to be the reason if it went unchecked that Joe Burrow was going to get injured and didn't I tell y'all that that was going to happen? And wouldn't you know it? Wouldn't you know it? On Sunday, November 22nd, 2020, at FedEx Field, Landover, Maryland, against the Washington Redskins slash football team, what I told y'all would, would happen ended up happening. Joe Burrow got seriously hurt. I told y'all this was going to happen. I told y'all after the Eagle game. I told y'all after the Brown game. I told y'all after the Bengal game that this was going to happen. And lo and behold, wouldn't you know it, it happened. Because the idiots, the Muppets, the incompetent hacks that run the Cincinnati Bengals franchise, that is that old senile piece of crap owner Mike Brown, to his daughter that doesn't have a clue and Clay, Katie Blackburn, to the head coach which is in over his head and should be fired before, before the end of the month, and Zach Taylor... To the offensive line, to the offensive coordinator, to the offensive line coach. Every single one of them. Every single one of them is to blame for this. Every single one. That their negligence, that their incompetence is the reason why their number one overall pick franchise quarterback is out. Until 2021. Every single last one of them is at fault. I'm not going to go crazy and rip the offensive line. I'm not going to do that. Yeah, they stink, but I mean, stuff like this happens. It's football. I'm going to blame their Muppet bosses that are supposed to know better, that are getting paid like they're supposed to know better, that put them in that situation of failure to begin with and put Joe Burrow in harm's way as a result of their negligence and their incompetence. Makes me sick. Every single last one of them is at fault. Every single one from the owner to the head coach, to the position coach. Every last one of them's at fault. Every last one of them. Every last one of them. I told y'all, if they would not take this crap serious and address this offensive line, that this was going to happen. I knew it, I knew it, I knew it, I knew it, I knew it. I saw it coming from a mile away. I saw it. At the beginning of the season, I told y'all, I saw this. You think I like sitting up here in front of y'all, talking to y'all, essentially saying I told you so, when my franchise quarterback is out with a busted knee in the season, and like we were going to make the playoffs anyway, but the rest of our season is irrelevant? All of a sudden, now in perfect position to get a number one three draft pick? And games that was honest to God, the easiest on the schedule, the the most winnable games 
up and down the entire schedule that we were supposed to win with Burrow, all of a sudden we're going to lose every last one of them because he's out? Because the idiots that run the organization don't know what they're doing? You think I like doing this? I hate it. I resent it. But when this stuff happens, when I go out and when I sit up here on a Sunday afternoon and see my quarterback screaming, writhing in pain, And on and on and on the back of a and on and on the back of a um you know on the back of a cart headed to the locker room fax race, you leave me no choice. You leave me no choice. I I I, I don't understand it. I don't get it. He is y'all's most valuable asset. Protect this man. And if you saw that this man was going to get killed, then why didn't you take time and invest in getting a decent backup so you're at least competitive in games and have a guy he could learn from? Instead of throwing him out there to the wolves right off the bat. Putting him in position for this to happen. I understand that offense, that building an offensive line takes time through three, free agency in the draft. When you saw the first few games of the season that, hey, this guy's going to get killed. We still got to play Baltimore twice. This guy's going to get killed. We still have to play Cleveland again. This guy's going to get killed. We got to go up against Chase Young in Washington in November. This guy's going to get killed. Why didn't you all find it important for you to get a Nick Foles or for you to or for you to get a Ryan or for you to trade for Ryan Fitzpatrick or for you to for you to get a, 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 a even a Jameis Winston or a, or a Teddy Bridgewater, somebody that's got experience that is competent that can make the Bengals competitive. Get a Tyrod Taylor. I mean, the charges, their record doesn't show it, but I mean, look, but their results, ha, ha, I don't see Justin Herbert getting killed. I mean, Joe Burrow broke, like, all, is breaking all the records, breaking all the records for quarterback hits by a rookie. As many times, he, he throw, he's throwing the ball 50-something times a game, and he's getting pounded into the grass or the turf 75% of those dropbacks. You can't sit here and subject them to defenses of Pittsburgh and Baltimore and Cleveland and play teams out of conference like Washington with Chase Young. and You can't keep doing this. And, and not expect the same result to keep on happening. But do you expect Joe Burrow to take himself out of his rookie season? No, he's a competitor. That's not who he is. He could have put him off the side, but like, look, we don't, we want you here for the long haul. Our offensive line is crap. We're not, I'm, we're not trying to put you in a position for you to get hurt and for, God forbid, the rest of your career to be compromised. You didn't have to throw him out there to the wolves like that. I mean, don't get me wrong, I'm glad, I'm glad I got to see him as play as long as he did. 
but smarter minds who work for the organization can't think like a fan. They have to think like a coach and think like a person that's a part of a business trying to put the business in the best position to succeed. They can't think the way I think. Zach Taylor can't think the way that I think as a fan. He has to think about what is going to be the best for the team. And me watching Joe Burrow play 11 games. In hindsight, wasn't the best thing for the team long term. You didn't need 11 games for you to figure out that Joe Burrow isn't, isn't a franchise quarterback who's a winner. You didn't need that. You didn't need a, a half a season to figure that out. But I told y'all this would happen. I told you. From the incompetent hacks, from the top on down, it's their fault. I mean, it makes me sick. It makes me want to vomit. Because it's like, part of it is the fact that the Bengals get a string of bad luck. And then the other part of it is that they are their own worst enemy. Whether it's that cheap, frugal, senile piece of crap, Mike Brown being cheap and frugal as he is. Why in the world are they... Why? Let me, answer, let me ask you all this. Why in the world is the year 2020, when it's shared revenue as far as all 32 teams are concerned with TV contracts and all this sort of stuff, why are we living in a world? 2020, we got iPhones, we got iPhones that can stream everything you can think of, that can play music, watch TV, television, watch football games on, can keep track of your heart rate, take take pictures like it's a like it's a professional real camera, can do all these sorts of things. Can, you know, got Apple watches that can keep track of heart rates, that got televisions that we can stream YouTube. What explain to me why we got all this technology in America and yet the Cincinnati Bengals in 2020 no less don't have an indoor practice facility. Explain that to me, please. It makes no it makes no doggone sense. It really doesn't. 2020, and we're playing football like we're still stuck in 1952. Simply thinking just because he just because he's Paul Brown's son or Paul Brown's grandson, he thinks he knows football. Mike Brown don't know two horse craps about football. Doesn't know how to run a football team and doesn't know how to operate a football team. So damn stubborn and arrogant, he doesn't even bother hiring a GM. It's like a poor version of Jerry Jones. At least Jerry Jones is football savvy enough to the point where at least he won three Super Bowls. Granted, you want to put all the credit, Jimmy Johnson or not, he still was the head man of three Super Bowl winning championships. Mike Brown has been the owner of the team for the last 30 to 40 plus years and has won nothing. Hell, at least Jerry Jones makes sure his team has an indoor practice facility. <laughs> Cowboys indoor practice facility so nice. It, it, 
it's it's pretty much it's pretty much the home of 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 high school Texas football games, champ state championship games. Their facility is their facility is so nice they they put pee wee games in there. They put high school football games in there. I'd rather have Jerry Jones than Mike Brown. To be quite honest with you. Because at least Jerry Jones is going to, for all of his flaws as as the owner of the Dallas Cowboys, he at least is going to make sure that he puts every nickel, every cent he can back into the company that he runs. He's going to make sure Dallas Cowboys got an indoor practice facility to take care of. He's going to make sure Dallas Cowboys, you know, got everything, every little amenity that they have is going to be top of the line, top dollar. Does he meddle too? Does he meddle too much? Yeah, he does. But at least you get the feeling that he cares. I get the feeling, like bro, he just does not give a crap. He just doesn't. And there's nothing you can convince me or any other Bengals fan out there to convince us otherwise. Seriously. man thinks just because he's related to Paul Brown, he thinks all of a sudden he knows how to run a football a football team. Well, who are you talking about? I'm Mike Brown, related to Paul Brown. Old, fat, senile, four-eyed piece of crap. Sick of him. And the nepotism within that family, his daughter, his son, oh, it makes me sick. Sick. And because they're all wrongdoing, because they don't, and because they don't, and because they don't know pumpkin pie from sweet potato pie, me and all the other Bengals fans and the Bengals players inside that locker room and Joe Burrow have to suffer. It's ridiculous. Got to go through all this because you're because you're a cheap ass, really. Because you're so freaking incompetent and clueless, you don't even know how to run a football team. This isn't this bad for the Bengals organization. This isn't bad for the Bengal fans. And it's bad for the sport. It's bad for the sport that you got an owner sitting up there that literally uses that team to get money and to take advantage of the paying customer. And straight up and down does not care enough to care about the people that care enough about him to give him to give him their money. Whether it's the fans, whether it's the city of Cincinnati. It's a joke. It's bad for the league, it's bad for the NFL. And they got an owner sitting up there that's owned a team since Kingdom Come that that doesn't give two horse craps to put money back into the organization. Don't even have an indoor practice facility in 2020. Doesn't want to go out his way and spend money in big contracts and sign players and, and put the team before himself. Sitting up here robbing the Cincinnati, city of Cincinnati's, the fan base. Robbing them blind. For what? 
for, 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 for this foolishness? Really? No. Mm-mm. No. And I and I and and I and I'm telling you something right now. If Joe Burrow, if God forbid, please God, I'm not speaking this into existence, but God forbid, if his career is ruined, and if Joe Burrow is never the same player after these knee operations, I swear to God, I'm done. I am I am done. I am done. I am. Dropping my fandom of this football team of Joe if they waste and ruin Joe Burrow. I swear to I swear on a stack of Bibles. I am done. I am done. I will drop my fandom of this team so freaking fast it will make y'all's head spin. I am dropping my fandom until this until the NFL forces Muppet to sell the team or he chokes on a pork chop. I like Mike Ditka and goes six feet under the ground. I am done. I I am I am fed up with this nonsense. I I I cannot take it anymore. I am done. If they end up ruining Joe Burrow, I am done. And you can tell. And I and whoever's listening to this in the Cincinnati area, you can go relay this to Zach Taylor, Katie Blackburn, Mike Brown. I don't give a crap who you relay this message to. You can you can tell Mike Brown and his entire family to kiss me between the back pockets and see if I give a crap. Cause they could, the, him and his entire family could be standing in this room that I'm sitting in right now, and I would say it to their face. Cause this don't make no sense. This, 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 this really, it, 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 this don't make no damn sense. It really, really doesn't. Sitting up here, fans invested in your team, and you can't even. Oh, it, oh my God, it pisses me off. I'm telling you, I'm t as, as sure as I'm sitting here, Thanksgiving Eve 2020, November 25th, a month away from Christmas, I'm telling y'all right now, if this man's career is ruined, if they ruin him, if they waste him, you will not see me where another Cincinnati Bengals anything Until that sucker either passes away or sells the team. And that is on God. I will not wear a Bengals jersey. I will not wear a Bengals sweatshirt. I will not wear a Bengals hat. I will not decorate my room with anything Bengals. I will not have Bengals on my social media bio. I will unfollow every Bengals-related account. I will not have any Bengals wallpaper on any of my devices. I, I swear up and down, I am as serious as COVID-19 on this. If they end up ruining this man because of their sheer incompetence and stupidity, I swear I will never root for this football team again. And I promise you that. I promise you. Because I am getting too old and life is worth way more than... And there's way more meaning to life. And my life has got too much promise and I got too much going for me right now in my life. And I got too many other heartbreak and real world things to be worried about than this stupid asinine football team and the, and the cheap frugal senile owner that runs it that obviously doesn't give a rip about me or any other Bengal fan that's going to sit up here and literally piss away this man talent in his career. I'm not standing for it. 
I am not standing for it. They need, need to be people in Cincinnati right now with socially, I could, listen, people going to sit up here and protest Joe Biden and, and go out there and, and on the other side, so y'all can go out there and, 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 and do this. Pick it outside of Paul Brown Stadium and outside of Park Avenue up in New York that this man should be forced to sell the team because this, this, this don't make no sense. He's robbing the Bengals blind. He's robbing the Cincinnati, the city of Cincinnati blind. And he's compromising the NFL's product. This is a disgrace. And I, and I tell you something else. Zach Taylor needs to go, needs to go with Mike Brown as well. Because th th this is ridiculous. Sitting up here making up every excuse in the book with those lame, with those lame, stupid, egregious excuses he'd have made for the offensive line after the game after the game on Sunday. Are you crazy? You are 421 and 1 since you became the head coach of the Bengals. 421 and 1. You flat out stink as a head coach. You stink. You are in over your head and you flat out cannot coach a football team. When I'm sitting up here reading stories, when I'm sitting up here reading stories that the locker room culture is bad, that it's like a college level environment, that that the players see right through Taylor's BS and and have trust issues with the coaching staff, and I got coaches sitting up here degrading degrading other members of the team, and I got and and treating Carlos Dunlap like crap, and and benching Andy Dalton on his birthday. When you could have traded him and gotten some form to trade deadline, what does that tell you? Everything rises and falls on leadership, starts at the top and works its way down. And the leadership level of Zach Teller and Mike Brown is the equivalent of a pile of horse manure. Neither one of them have no idea what they're doing and need to be kicked out immediately until proven otherwise. Because this don't make no sense. Zach Taylor has no clue what he's doing. Bengals locker room is more cancer, is more cancerous and is more toxic then a COVID super spreader event. Players don't trust the coaches. Players see right through Taylor's shenanigans. See right through his crap like glass. Long time Bengal Carlos Dunlap wants out because you don't treat him properly. You treat Andy Dalton like garbage on his birthday no less. You ignore the glaring issues of your offensive line. And now you look, your franchise quarterback is out till middle of next year. Hope you're proud of yourselves, guys. I hope you're real proud of yourselves. Part of me thinks this franchise is cursed, and the other part of me thinks that this team is his own worst enemy. Part of me thinks it's a curse, and part of me thinks they just they do it to themselves. These self-inflicted, stupid 
mistakes and 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 and, 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 and errors that they make. And I, I, I and I'm telling, and it's and this don't take Randy Bullock off the hook either. You know, if the, this don't take Randy Bullock off the hook either, missing 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 field goals and missing extra points left and right. Don't get me started on Randy Bullock. I told y'all after the Charger game he needed to go, and he still needs to go. I know the season's lost. I know we're now tanking. He needs to. He goodbye. Beat it, Randy. Enough. Fat Randy. G get yourself some Weight Watchers. And while you're at it, when you're on Weight Watchers, relearn how to kick a field goal between the uprights. Because you don't know how to do that right either. One thing you know how to do right is stuff your pie hole and, and, and take a game check. Season's over. That's all there is to it. And, 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 I, and I tell you something right now. I, and, I, and, I, and I am serious as a heart attack on this. They ruined this kid. I am done. Until the NFL, Goodell, all of y'all see that this man is toxic to y'all's bottom line and is toxic to your brand and is toxic to your league and forces him to sell the team. And if it, and if you end up having and if they sell it to someone that wants to take the team out of Cincinnati, oh well, because if because and if it takes for them to get out of Cincinnati for them to prosper as a Bengals fan that doesn't live in Cincinnati, so be it. I know the local Bengals fan will say something differently. But me, as a person that lives in the city of Baltimore, I could care less where they play, whether they whether I could care, whether they play in St. Louis, St. Louis, San Diego, Oakland. I could care Mexico. I could care less. I could care less. Orlando. I I could I could care less. Portland. I could care less. I'm telling you right now. They waste Burrow. They ruin him. I am done with this franchise. I am done. And I s promise you, I promise you, you I am not bullcrapping. I am not BSing y'all. I am done. If they ruin him, that is it. You won't see me talking about them no more. You won't see me wearing any angles, anything. Unfollowing everything, I I will I will erase them from my life so fast it will shock y'all. I am done if they ruin this man, if they ruin him, and if they piss his career and they piss his promise away and piss him off out of town, I am done. I am done, Mike, and I could give to you know what what anybody else thinks and what Mike Brown thinks. Mike Brown can kiss my all-natural black ass for all I care. I am so fed up with his bullcrap. I am, I, I, oh my God, I am done. I am done. I am sick and tired of the same nonsense from a man who clearly doesn't give a damn about the team, its players, or its fans. And I'm telling you, they got one opportunity, one time, 
to ruin Burrow or and or piss him off, and I am done. I am done. Done. Take a break. Thanksgiving football's on my mind. Back after this. Welcome back to the Amtelica TIS podcast. Switching gears now to Thanksgiving NFL games. You only get the two. Uh, and while and speaking of which, I might as well address that right here, right now. Uh, the Ravens uh, test. They had players test positive all week long, uh, and it turns out that it was caused by the Ra- one of the Ravens' strength and conditioning coaches, which they came out earlier and they said that they've uh, disciplined them internally which is the reason why they got which is the reason why uh, about a third of their team is sick um, and therefore their game had to be a pushback to Sunday at one o'clock that'll be an NBC game Al Michaels uh, this regular Sunday night crew Collinsworth Al Michaels Collinsworth and um and uh, Michelle Tafoya will be in Pittsburgh doing the Ravens game on Sunday afternoon at 1.15. That'll be a nationally televised game while Tariko and Dungey, who are supposed to be with Collinsworth uh, tomorrow night in Pittsburgh, will instead go to uh, Green Bay and do uh, and take care of, and um, and do Chicago and um, and the Packers. And Catherine Tapman, who's a studio host for NBC's NHL coverage, will take Mich- uh, Michelle Tafoya's place as the sideline reporter for that game on Sunday night. So, in uh, that game, and all the Steelers players who were all, all annoyed and upset, and this is BS, and how dare the NFL push it. Oh, guys, shut up, will you please? Just shut up. Oh, my God almighty. You get, you get what? You get Friday, Saturday. You get two extra days off. My goodness gracious. And get to spend Thanksgiving at home with your family. Quit belly aching and shut up. My goodness gracious. All this stuff in the world going wrong. Y'all have the hey, in up here moaning and belly aching about we our game gets get pushed back it's unfair I'll go to hell will you please shut up my gosh I understand the NFL wasn't perfect in that then that it's it's there's inconsistency that lies well they made Green Bay they made Green Bay and San Francisco you know the week of elect you know the Thursday after election day they made them play 
And I understand that there's an inconsistency there. And the NF and Goodell saying that it's about player safety is a bunch of nonsense because they, again, when San Francisco was testing positive left and right, they made that game play. And that game really shouldn't have been played until that Sunday. I understand all that and the inconsistency and, and the inconsistencies of that. Of well, they well they well they push back the Baltimore Pittsburgh game to Sunday. And they, uh, you know, and they, you know, and they, um, and they uh, made Green Bay and San Francisco play the Thursday after Election Day. I understand that there's inconsistencies there, and obviously the commissioner is full of crap when he says this player's safety. Because if that was the case, why may why did why did that San Francisco Green Bay game go on? I understand all that, and I understand that you know that there's hypocrisy and inconsistency there. But I don't want to hear the Pittsburgh Steelers bellyache, moaning, groaning, complaining. You get two extra days off. Shut up. Take it for what it's worth. Enjoy the two days off. Enjoy. Spending Thanksgiving night with your family, and I'll see you Sunday at Heinz Field at one o'clock. My goodness gracious, belly aching and complaining because you get two extra days off. I never heard, I've never seen of such a thing. I mean, enough, Pittsburgh, shut up and enough. Deal, deal with it, okay? Okay, fine. You don't get to embarrass Baltimore on the national spotlight on Thanksgiving night. Instead, you, instead, it has to wait a couple days. You'll live. My goodness gracious, enough, 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 enough. Um, I, I had to get that off my chest. I mean, my goodness, I got Juju and and, and, and Chase Claypool. Oh, shut up, please. My goodness gracious. I mean, just shut up. My God. When, when they tell you when to play the game, make sure you're there front and center, prepared, repping, ready to go, and and, and, and be ready to, to play Baltimore. Will you please? And the idea that the NFL is all of a sudden trying to screw the steel is a bunch of nonsense. Police, it, it, it's nonsense. Nonsense. Because now, now that the Raven players that tested positive with COVID all of a sudden going to be back in 100% healthy by Sunday either. And did you think the and do you think the NFL likes the idea that they that the spot that's for them, the only intriguing football game, honestly, of note of two. 500 or better teams that are playing within the same division that arguably competes in one of the most fiercest intense rivalries of not just in all the NFL but in all the sports. You think they like the idea that that game has to get pushed into the shuffle with all the other NFL games on Sunday on a national audience and and they basically have like a national televised game and then they got all the other regional stuff. So basically it it, it quote-unquote cannibalizes their product. Do you think they like that? Do you think they like taking a standalone game on Thanksgiving night, uh, or you know, on a Thursday night? You know, during COVID, so people aren't you know aren't Black Friday shopping any of that nonsense. Do you think they like that on a on a network that you know, on a, on a net on a uh, on a network such as NBC, which has been a uh, a ratings machine for them? Do you think they like doing that? I understand the inconsistency that lies, but please, I, 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 at this point in time, I can't listen to the Pittsburgh Steelers or their fans' belly can complain. Shut up and just make sure that your team's ready to go on Sunday afternoon, please. To the two games that are going to be played on Thanksgiving, 
The three and seven Houston Texans going up against the four and six Detroit Lions. Houston took care of business uh, with a nice, impressive victory against the Patriots last time out. Deshaun Watson had a huge game. Detroit Lions couldn't put the ball in the end zone, like I said in my uh, Matt Stafford slash Kelly Stafford rant on uh, on uh, Saturday. Matt Stafford overrated and overpaid. Uh, is not worth anything. I care less with any with any fantasy football nut says. I care less with Brendan thinks Matt Stafford is is overrated. Is not good. Is not a good quarterback. Uh, couldn't put the ball in the end zone. They stink. Four and six lines. Their seasons washed. The Texans three and seven. Their season is washed. But you get Deshaun Watson. I guess if that's your uh, quote unquote silver lining. Game 12-30, poor Tony Romo and Jim Nance and Wolfson have to cover this news festival football game. But, hey, football is football. Take it as it will. Uh, so, whoever wins this game, I could care less. It's football. I'm watching it. I'll be there front and center to uh, witness every second of it. Because what else better do I have to watch? The uh, the stupid parade? No, thank you. Uh, with with nobody in New York City, which, is a, which has been a ghost town for the last eight or nine months. Uh, the second game, uh, and back in the and and if in case y'all didn't know this, prior to two thousand and six, when the NFL started Thursday night football on the NFL Network, the first you for the longest time since nineteen sixty six, when they gave Dallas a game from nineteen sixty six to two thousand and five, that's what thirty. What is that? That's what that that that's got to be what thirty years. Was is that thirty years? Two thousand nineteen, two thousand five, minus uh, two thousand five and nineteen sixty six. That is what. That's thirty nine years. So net, so thirty nine forty years, for forty for thirty nine years forty seasons. The NFL on Thanksgiving has been the two games, the Lions play X, and then the and then the Cowboys play X, and then you. You know, free to do whatever on Thanksgiving night. 39, 39 years, 40 seasons. It was like that in the NFL on Thanksgiving when you had the two games instead of the three with the nightcap at 8 o'clock. Um, and that game is between. And that game, honestly, I mean, it's hard for me to get it. It's hard for the NFC East. No, Whoever wins that division, they're not making the Super Bowl. They're not making the NFC Championship game. They're basically playing for the right to play an extra game at home and and to have the quote-unquote crown of division champion for this season. So, I mean, I take it for what it's worth. Last year's game was uh, was a whole lot better. Dallas, of course, had, of course, healthy Dak Prescott and, and uh, were a much better football team uh, at this point last season. We're playing for the division, and they went up against the uh and they went up against the Buffalo Bills who I believe had about a, close to a round if not on the dot eight wins at this time when they played you know Buffalo was a team that they played last year on Thanksgiving with Josh Allen and Cole Beasley went crazy uh last year this time they played Washington and ironically enough the two games you know because of course the Pittsburgh uh the Pittsburgh uh Baltimore game isn't a Thanksgiving game it's a regular Sunday game that happens to be on NBC the two Thanksgiving games are are the exact same matchups from thanks from the two Thanksgiving two Thanksgiving afternoon games. Of course, the night game, of course, was the Patriots and the Jets with the butt fumble. But the two afternoon games of uh, of that are going to be played tomorrow are the same two 
games that were played in the afternoon slash 12.30 and 4.30 as uh, as they were in 2012. The Texans uh, went to the Texans went to Detroit on um on Thanksgiving 2012 and and RG3 and the Washington Redskins came into Dallas and played the Cowboys. So I mean, so you're getting the same matchups you got uh, eight years ago uh, tomorrow. Um, and, of course, Washington took care of business against my Bengals, uh, and uh, and Alex Smith got his first win since his major knee surgery, so props to Alex Smith. And, and you know, it sucks it has to be at my Bengals and Joe Burrow's expense, but congrats to him, congrats to Washington, and now they're still in the mix of potentially stealing this division uh, from whoever because this division is just so wide open and up for grabs that literally anybody can win it. Dallas uh, woke up and and, uh, and 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 came alive last week. Andy Dalton returning off of the concussion protocol slash COVID list. Andy Dalton and the Cowboys showed a little bit of life for, for a change and took care of business on the road against the Vikings. They come home and get a what should be a wonderful game at home against division rival Washington before they have to go on the road and play and play. I think it's on the road and go and play um, and go play uh, the Ravens uh, uh, Thursday after tomorrow. So though that's where you stand. Let me make sure I get um, get this matchup right between the Ravens and uh, the and the Cowboys. But that's where you stand. As far as, yep, the game will be in Baltimore, okay. But that's where you stand as far as uh, the two Thanksgiving games are concerned. Uh, the Lions game, you know, CBS and Fox, they they swap back and forth. You know, even years, I guess, CBS does, uh, does, the, uh, does the Lions. Odd years, CBS does the Cowboys games. And odd years, Fox does the Lions games and... You know, you so they so they switch it every year. So next year, CBS will have will get the Cowboys and Fox will get, um, will get the Lions in the twenty twenty two. CBS will do the Lions and Fox will do the Cowboys. So, but that's where you stand as far as the two Thanksgiving matchups are concerned. It is time for an abbreviated pick segment. Only two games, two Thanksgiving matchups in the league where they play four. Pay. The Houston Texans going up against the Detroit Tigers. Houston, of course, like I said, coming off of a nice victory. Close victory, but a nice victory against the New England Patriots at home. Going on the road to play the Detroit Lions. who are looking to bounce back off of their pathetic offensive performance against the Carolina Panthers last Sunday. I will take the Houston Texans to win this game. Their favorite minus three. I will take Houston to win this game. 26 to 23. Dallas coming home, going up against Washington. Washington, of course, took care of business against my Bengals last time out on Sunday. Dallas showed some life against Minnesota, looking to still stay in the thick of things as far as the NFC East is concerned. Andy Dalton plays his first ever Thanksgiving matchup of his career. Dallas' favorite minus three. I'll take Dallas to win the game by 10, 27, 2, 17. Dallas favorite minus three points. So that is your show. 
And I want to thank you for listening to another episode of the Amatel Katerius Podcast. Those are your uh, two Thanksgiving uh, matchups that I uh, gave the picks for you. The Houston and Dallas, both both favorite minus a field goal. Um, that is your episode of the Amatelica TIS podcast. If you like what you heard, please subscribe. Follow your boy on Twitter and Instagram at the J Shield. Follow the show on Twitter at Amatelic underscore it TIS. Follow the show on Instagram at Amatelic underscore podcast. Have a, have a happy, safe Thanksgiving. Be safe, be smart, you guys. Have a happy Thanksgiving. And I will talk to you on Saturday. It's your boy Jai Shields. Enjoy the football. Y'all take care.